section fifty three of india persia mesopotamia and palestine this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by jim locke the world's story volume two india persia mesopotamia and palestine edited by eva march tappan section fifty three the reception of a white elephant by mrs a h leon owens almost all white animals are held in reverence by the siamese because they were once superior human beings and the white elephant in particular is supposed to be animated by the spirit of some king or hero having once been a great man he is thought to be familiar with the dangers that surround the great and to know what is best and safest for those whose condition in all respects was once his own he is hence supposed to avert national calamity and bring prosperity and peace to a people from the earliest times the kings of siam and burma have anxiously sought for the white elephant and having had the rare fortune to procure one have loaded it with gifts and dignities as though it were a conscious favourite of the throne when the governor of a province of siam is notified of the appearance of a white elephant within his bailiwick he immediately commands that prayers and offerings shall be made in all the temples while he sends out a formidable expedition of hunters and slaves to take the precious beast and bring it in in triumph as soon as he is informed of its capture a special messenger is dispatched to inform the king of its sex probable age size complexion deportment looks and ways and in the presence of his majesty this bearer of glorious tidings undergoes the painfully pleasant operation of having his mouth ears and nostrils stuffed with gold especially is the lucky white perhaps some half-wild woodsman who was first to spy the illustrious monster munificently rewarded orders are promptly issued to the wounds and wongses of the several districts through which he must pass to prepare to receive him royally and a wide path is cut for him through the forests he must traverse on his way to the capital wherever he rests he is sumptuously entertained and everywhere he is escorted and served by a host of attendants who sing dance play upon instruments until he reaches the banks of the minum where a great floating palace of wood surmounted by a gorgeous roof and hung with crimson curtains awaits him the roof is literally thatched with flowers ingeniously arranged so as to form symbols and mottoes which the superior beast is supposed to decipher with ease the floor of this splendid float is laid with gilt matting curiously woven in the centre of which his four-footed lordship is installed in state surrounded by an obsequious and enraptured crowd of mere bipeds who bathe him perfume him fan him feed him sing and play to him flatter him his food consists of the finest herbs the tenderest grass the sweetest sugar-cane the mellowest plantains the brownest cakes of wheat served on huge trays of gold and silver and his drink is perfumed with the fragrant flower of the dak malay the large native jessamine 
thus in more than princely state he is floated down the river to a point within seventy miles of the capital where the king and his court all the chief personages of the kingdom and a multitude of priests both buddhist and brahmin accompanied by troops of players and musicians come out to meet him and conduct him with all the honours to his stable palace a great number of cords and ropes of all qualities and lengths are attached to the raft those in the centre being of fine silk figuratively spun from a spider's web these are for the king and his noble retinue who with their own hands make them fast to their gilded barges the rest are secured to the great fleet of lesser boats and so with shouts of joy beating of drums blare of trumpets boom of cannon a hallelujah of music in various splendid revelry the great chang phuk is conducted in triumph to the capital here in a pavilion temporary but very beautiful he is welcomed with imposing ceremonies by the custodians of the palace and the principal personages of the royal household the king his courtiers and the chief priests being gathered round him thanksgiving is offered up and then the lordly beast is knighted after the ancient manner of the buddhists by pouring upon his forehead consecrated water from a chank shell the titles reserved for the chang phuk vary according to the purity of the complexion for these favoured creatures are rarely true albinos salmon or flesh-colour being the nearest approach to white and almost all the historic white elephants of the courts of burma and siam and the sex for though one naturally has recourse to the masculine pronoun in writing of a transmigrated prince or warrior it often happens that prince or warrior has in the medley mask of metempsychosis assumed a female form such in fact was the case with the stately occupant of the stable palace at the court of maha mangkut and she was distinguished by the high-sounding appellation of maafaya seri wangsa ditsara kwa saat august and glorious mother descendant of kings and heroes for seven or nine days according to certain traditions the chang phuk is feted at the temporary pavilion and entertained with a variety of dramatic performances and these days are observed as a general holiday throughout the land at the expiration of this period he is conducted with great pomp to his sumptuous quarters within the precincts of the first king's palace where he is received by his own court of officers attendants and slaves who install him in his fine lodgings and at once proceed to robe and decorate him first the court jeweller rings his tremendous tusks with massive gold crowns him with a diadem of beaten gold of perfect purity and adorns his burly neck with heavy golden chains next his attendants robe him in a superb velvet cloak of purple fringed with scarlet and gold and then his court prostrate themselves around him and offer him royal homage when his lordship would refresh his portly person in the bath an officer of high rank shelters his noble head with a great umbrella of crimson and gold while others wave golden fans before him on these occasions he is invariably preceded by musicians who announce his approach with cheerful minstrelsy and songs 
if he falls ill the king's own leech prescribes for him and the chief priests repair daily to his palace to pray for his safe deliverance and sprinkle him with consecrated waters and anoint him with consecrated oils should he die all siam is bereaved and the nation as one man goes into mourning for him but his body is not burned only his brains and heart are thought worthy of that last and highest honour the carcass shrouded in fine white linen and laid on a bier is carried down the river with much wailing and many mournful dirges to be thrown into the gulf of siam in one thousand eight hundred and sixty two a magnificent white or rather salmon-coloured elephant was bagged and preparations on a gorgeous scale were made to receive him a temporary pavilion of extraordinary splendour sprang up as if by magic before the eastern gate of the palace and the whole nation was wild with joy when suddenly came awful tidings he had died no man dared tell the king but the kralahome that man of prompt expedience and unfailing presence of mind commanded that the preparation should cease instantly and that the building should vanish with the builders in the evening his majesty came forth as usual to exult in the glorious work what was his astonishment to find no vestige of the splendid structure that had been so nearly completed the night before he turned bewildered to his courtiers to demand an explanation when suddenly the terrible truth flashed into his mind with a cry of pain he sank down upon a stone and gave vent to an hysterical passion of tears but was presently consoled by one of his children who carefully prompted in his part knelt before him and said weep not o my father the stranger lord may have left us but for a time the stranger lord fatally pampered had succumbed to astonishment and indigestion a few days after the mournful event the king read to me a curious description of the defunct monster and showed me parts of his skin preserved and his tusks which in size and whiteness surpassed the finest i had ever seen his that is the elephant's eyes were light blue surrounded by salmon colour his hair fine soft and white his complexion pinkish white his tusks like long pearls his ears like silver shields his trunk like a comet's tail his legs like the feet of the skies his tread like the sound of thunder his looks full of meditation his expression full of tenderness his voice the voice of a mighty warrior and his bearing that of an illustrious monarch that was a terrible affliction to the people not less than to the king on all occasions of state court receptions for example the white elephant gorgeously arrayed is stationed on the right of the inner gate of the palace and forms an indispensable as well as a conspicuous figure of the picture when the siamese ambassadors returned from england the chief of the embassy a man remarkable for his learning and the purity of his character who was also first cousin to the supreme king published a quaint pamphlet describing england and her people their manners and customs and dwellings with a very particular report of the presentation of the embassy at court speaking of the personal appearance of queen victoria he says one cannot but be struck with the aspect of the august queen of england or fail to observe that she must be of pure descent from a race of goodly and warlike kings and rulers of the earth in that her eyes complexion and above all her bearing are those of a beautiful and majestic white elephant
end of section fifty three this recording is in the public domain recording by jim locke